been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. It was a happy Wednesday for the Raiders. Wednesday, August 17th, we're recording this, and the Raiders uh, got a lot of people back at practice. Uh, I, I know, Vic, you wrote earlier in the week that this has kind of been a slow-played training camp uh, by Josh McDaniels, and um, there's been a lot of injury absences, and because Josh McDaniels doesn't tell us much, we don't know if those are we hadn't known if those are guys that are that are going to linger. But on Wednesday, Darren Waller back at practice for the first time in about two and a half weeks. Trayvon Mullen on the practice field for the first time all season, all year. Uh, Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols, uh, two guys that also started the year on, on the pup list. Those guys were back at practice. Uh, so finally, we're, we're starting to see this Raiders team come together and get some key contributors back on the field. Yeah, and the, the Waller return, obviously, you know, people were freaking out Sunday before the preseason game because he was, you know, seen at the, the Aces game while the Raiders game was starting. And there was he hadn't practiced in a while and everybody was kind of freaking out about the contract situation and all that. But, you know, obviously him being back out there shows that he's not doing a holdout or a hold in or whatever people want to say. And um, as far as the ham and hamstring injury that he's been dealing with, he looks fine. Um, so I had, had one moment where he. He caught a pass over the middle and, and ran the full length of the field in for a touchdown and didn't have any sort of weird gimpiness or, or limitations from what I could see. So he looks back to himself. You know, Hankins and the Nichols, they were kind of working back in um, slowly. It makes sense given it's their first time practicing um, in a while. Same thing with Mullen. He was working with the, the backups for the most part at cornerback. But the big thing is just having those guys back out there because those are all pretty big, you know, expected contributors, obviously. And especially on the defensive side of the ball, they were missing a few starters. And so... Those guys, I doubt we'll see them play in preseason games probably. But, um, you know, when you, when you get to looking forward to the regular season and what their defense is going to look like, you know, a lot of those concerns that, that they had are, are gone now. Yeah, it's a big day. I mean, the Raiders kind of missed their chance. They could have had like that wrestling entry music. Each guy, like one by one, the guy walks on the field and they get the soundtrack going. It been pretty awesome. But uh, for sure, those are all guys who are key, key guys, especially up front in the defense. I mean, Darren Waller, you know, top three tight end. And Rocky Asin came back. Uh, my guy Dylan Stoner was back on the field. The show didn't mention him, but he was back How on the field. How did I forget him? Come on. Come on, man. It's a practice squad MVP right there. But, uh, yeah, so I think uh, Raider fans are already optimistic. They had some you know, some fears and doubts, but now today I think they actually can take a, you know, exhale and kind of think this team's coming together. One bad, I guess, note on injuries is um, toward the end of practice, it was like during 11 on 11, didn't look like he, like, he didn't go down or anything, but Thayer and Mumford kind of came up gimpy after a play and kind of went to the sideline and was testing it out and talking to a trainer, and then he ended up walking off the field. I mean, practice only had about 20 minutes left, but he didn't end up coming back. Uh, we asked Carmen Brasillo about it after. Of course, he didn't, didn't say anything, but that was kind of the story of the, of the preseason game was was Munford, you know, starting the first half at right tackle and seemingly, you know, coming ahead of Alex Otherwood in that, in that battle with Brandon Parker still sidelined. And so Brandon Parker is still out. Now maybe Munford, we'll see if he's out there tomorrow, but if he's hurt, that kind of, Maybe clears a leather way, way for for Leatherwood to to kind of fight back a little bit and maybe get back into the running for that that right tackle spot. Ted, what did you see out of uh, Thayer Munford? I mean, you know, we'll see what the injury is like, but just in terms of his performance on the field, 
getting the start against the Vikings. What did you th- what did you see out of Mumford on uh, on Sunday? I thought he played a really clean game. I mean, I think when you look at Leatherwood, he looks like a better athlete, more explosive. He just makes more mistakes and more technical problems with his hands. I think I think hand placement's a big issue with Leatherwood. But I thought Mumford just played really clean. He didn't, you know, I think he may, may have allowed one or maybe two pressures, but I, I just thought he, he did a really good job. But again, it, it wasn't very good competition. The Vikings weren't playing their their starters. So I'm curious to see how he'll look like against some better pass rushers. But uh, it was just a very clean game. And, you know, in the second half, Leatherwood made some some mistakes that led to a couple pressures as well. So Mumford out, outplayed Leatherwood. I had a question also about Leatherwood. It seems like, you know, particularly, like you said, when he doesn't have that tight end help, he like gets beat off the edge, kind of on the perimeter. Like that, that seems to happen like, like pretty often. And like, what what is he doing wrong on those plays? Is he, he you know not getting far enough outside? Is it some kind of technical error? Or is it, are the guys just kind of more physically talented to him? To me, it's just a, a hand placement issue, and it's been you know this is the same issue that he's had since college, and it just hasn't been corrected. So I, I don't. Yeah, you know, I'm not a off-the-line expert, so I I don't know if it's just like he's just not good with his hands. He's not coordinated with his hands, but it, it always seems like his hands are in the wrong place. I mean, you can see how athletic he is, he is, how explosive he is out of his stance, but for some reason he just gets his hands in the wrong place and the guys just are able to slip past him. You know, it seems like obviously they want him to try to get as much time in at right tackle here during training camp, but I mean, when you see stuff like that, that he struggles if he doesn't have that that help on the outside of him, you just got to wonder at what point will they make that decision? All right, this guy isn't a tackle, and he, maybe he doesn't need to be a guard. Maybe he is not a guy that can play, you know, on, on the outside of the line. Uh, I mean, it makes sense to go as deep as you can in the training camp, letting him try out right tackle. Um, you probably would love him to be, you know, you want to get through those joint practices next week with the Patriots. Those are probably going to be the best competition that he's going to face uh, really throughout this whole month. But you got to wonder if you get into the season. And whether Munford's healthy and beats him out or whether they ultimately say, all right, we have to go get a veteran, that maybe that's when you make that decision. All right, we've seen a month of this. We've given him time. He's a guard. And, and then maybe you, you give him a chance to, to compete in one of those guard spots. Well, to me, they're moving everybody else around. They've got guys playing different spots. Like Dylan Parham played three spots in this last game. You know, Elmanor is kind of playing everywhere. I, to me, at this point, if they haven't tried him at guard, if they haven't seen what else he can do, it's kind of right tackle or bust in my mind. It's kind of like, okay, you're going to be our right tackle or it's not going to work out here. We don't see you as a guard. If we did, we'd have you working in there. I don't see you. They're all big on versatility and guys moving around. But clearly he's not a guy they, they see as a guy who can move around, whether it's because the hand movement issues or some of the footwork, maybe he, doesn't tra- he has a hard enough time at the one spot. Maybe moving him back and forth is not doing him any favors. So in my mind, I don't see them moving him to guard at this point. I think it's too late now. I think they've kind of – I know it sounds ridiculous too late. There's still 25 days left before the year starts. But I just think they'd be doing it already if that was uh, their backup plan. So I think to me, it's like, let's give him all he can and let's hope he can make it a right tackle. If not, this wasn't our guy. And he obviously has tried hard. He's in good shape. He's working hard, but he's not our guy long term. So to me, that's my my early read on, on why he's not moving around. Yeah, I asked him in the locker room. It's, it's, it's cool to be able to say that now for, for once. But I asked him, um, had, you know, staying at that one position through OTAs and training camp, it, it helped him kind of be, be more comfortable there. That may be the reason, like you said, they've they tried to just keep him at that one spot. It seems like a confidence thing, kind of more so than anything, because I think he has all the physical tools you would need to perform well, you know, in, in that spot. It's just 
when 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 it's live like 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 ted said he just kind of reverts back to some bad habits and when something bad happens it kind of is followed up by something else bad that happens and you know it's kind of weird for a guy that was like a, a five-star prospect and like a college a, re- a really good college player to you know kind of have that kind of issue in the league but that really seems like what it is and maybe that their, their hope is that at some point it'll it'll click for him but i don't want to act like a, i mean through the first two preseason games like i don't think he's looked like bad or anything i think he's been like okay like you know like decent which isn't great but it's not like he's you know been you know looking how brandon parker was looking in the first game or something like that right so uh, i don't know i don't think his like all hope is ending especially you know given the injuries like with, with brandon parker and we'll see what happens with Thayer mumford like you know maybe he gets more of a look um this weekend and has a really strong game but you know especially with them getting hankins and nichols back like i guess they could still add a defensive tackle but it kind of seems like it'd be a little pointless so you know, it seems like right tackle will be that spot that if they do make a major addition before the season, it, it would come there. All right. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we broke down all of the offensive position groups, and we promised that uh, the next week we would break down the defense. Obviously, we, we pivoted last week. We did the live room, got a chance to chat with all of you. So now we'll go back, and we are going to circle back and, and talk about the defense. And it's a good timing, really, for us to start talking a little bit more about the defense. We've seen two preseason games, and as we talked about on Wednesday, we, we saw them finally get back some some key members of their defense so we're going to start talking about the the interior defensive line and I mean it, it really good timing because now that we have Hankins and Nichols back we can start kind of picturing how those guys will round into form and, and those are two guys that I mean we would expect to to probably start to play a lot the Raiders have done a lot of weird things with their depth chart <laughs> you know so the depth chart lists Andrew Billings and Bilal Nichols as starting defensive tackles Nichols has been out and still listed as a starter whereas Hankins has also been out and is listed like as a fourth string defensive tackle, obviously we all know depth chart means nothing, but those are two key guys, um, you know, Hankins and Nichols that are going to be really, you know, hope to be the difference makers for them on the interior of that D line. Yeah. And I think the D line, like the main like kind of concern I had about it was it, it didn't seem like it had a ton of pass rush juice coming from the inside. And I guess the Vikings were more so stood out was they, they really couldn't stop the run. Like they were rotating guys a lot. I mean, it seemed like they were everybody on the roster almost seemed like it played a defensive tackle and it couldn't stop the run no matter who was in there. And that kind of started to sound some alarms. Like, you know, not only is the pass rush pressure not coming, but they also aren't stopping the run run too well. And so, you know, I think having Hankins, you know, he's, he's not a superstar, I think, but he's a really, really good run defender. And then Nichols who, you know, probably has the most pass rush juice in the group and also is a pretty solid run defender. Um, I, I think, you know, makes you feel a lot better about that position group. There's still some probably some, some depth concerns, not in terms of numbers. Like they have plenty of bodies on the roster, but the quality of those bodies has kind of been so-so. And so, you know, obviously those, those you know, Nichols and Hankins can't play the whole game even once they're fully back healthy. So I think that may still be something to, you know, see see which one of those young guys step up. I, you know, Kendall Vickers has kind of flashed a little bit throughout OTAs and training camp. But outside of him, I mean, they have the couple of rookies, Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler. But, you know, they've kind of been buried with the reserves and, and haven't flashed too much so far. But, you know, we'll, we'll see if that changes at any point these next couple of weeks. I thought Andrew Billings uh, stood out in that game. I thought he, he played pretty well as far as a run defender and holding up his gap. You know, when Clellan Farrell was healthy, did he play inside at all? Or was he just playing outside linebacker? He, like, splashed in there a little bit. But, like, it was mostly outside. And then he would, like, rotate in from time to time occasionally but he's been out since like two or three weeks now i think yeah, over three weeks now so i don't i don't know sh- not quite sure what his injury is it looked like he hurt his shoulder when he was in practice but i don't want to assume yeah so it doesn't seem like he'll be in rotation i would say along the defensive line as a whole that's kind of a, a thing is you feel good about the starters but it's kind of like who's 
who's next up after that, you know? Yeah, I know the staff was high on Farrell, on Neil Farrell Jr., and I didn't think he did it a lot. He had more reps, both he and, and Butler, the other rookie, had more reps the last couple games, but I'm not sure they really stood out, so I'm not sure you can count on those guys being contributors this year. But I do like the main core. I think you have enough there with Billings and the Hankins and Bilal. And, as I kid, Bilal? Nichols. Nichols. Yeah, Bilal Bilal Nichols. Nichols. I was going to call him last name. But, um, yeah, I think you have enough there. He should be okay. I think he's one, like you know, like Sean said, I mean, I'm not sure if there's enough pass rush up the middle. But for them, the main job is stopping the run. Like, you stop the run, and everything else can start from there. So I just think uh, the depth, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about. You can always add somebody, but I think those main three guys should be good enough to hold up against the run, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's just about staying healthy, right? I mean, that that's kind of what we haven't seen them quite be at yet this camp. But, uh, I, I mean, if those three vets can stay healthy, and I mean, like, the interesting thing about Nichols is, you know, he's in his fifth year in the league, still only 25. So he's a, he's a young guy. I mean, he played, you know, he's played every game um, the last two seasons, 17 games last year for the Bears, 16 the year before, you know, eight sacks combined over the last two seasons. So, uh He's, he should be a solid guy for them. Um, they've got enough bodies, like you said, and let's just see if, if anybody can kind of can stand out among that group. All right, let's talk uh, edge rushers. Does this team have any have any decent edge rushers? Uh, I mean, obviously, this is what hopes to be the strength of this defense. Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. I mean, it's as good a duo as as you can really get in the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about who's the best duo, and I mean, they're, they're going to be in any conversation, and, and then it's just kind of, about the depth behind them, you know, can Malcolm Coons be a guy? Uh, can Deshaun Bauer? Uh, we got a, we got a Deshaun on the roster. Uh, he had a sack for you on uh, on Sunday. Um, we know what they have with their starting duo. It's it's about you know if they need the depth, uh, who's going to step up there? Yeah, I guess the expectation going into camp was that it'd be Kyle Fackrell, but he you know first week of camp got injured and went on IR, so he's lost for the season. And so Malcolm Coons, you kind of think is the next guy up, but he's a uh, yeah, I think he's still coming along when it comes to getting stronger and bigger. Like he's more of a, a three, four outside linebacker type guy. And they do some three, four stuff now. So that works. But he also has to be able to survive when you know, the team is running the ball, too. And that's been something that's kind of been hit or miss for him throughout his short career to this point. Clee Farrell's been out for a while. Um, he's going to be on the roster because at least I think so. Like I don't think you're going to eat $10 million just to not have him on your team anymore. And so, I mean, outside of that, you know, it's kind of like you said, Tashawn, Tashawn Bowery. I mean, that third pass rusher spot, you know, kind of similar to the the third defensive tackle or third and fourth defensive tackle spots, it's kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, they're really banking on, obviously, you know, the, the top two being so great and dominant that it doesn't really matter all that much in the grand scheme of things, which, you know, seeing Chandler Jones, you know, he bounced back from the injury he had in training camp today. He, he flashed, you know, he beat, beat Leatherwood in a one-on-one drill pretty badly at one point. And then, you know, it was a run play. Actually, they're not doing live contact or anything, but if they were able to do live contact, I would have I felt bad for that, that running back on, on the play with how quickly Chandler Jones was, was in his way there. So he's he's been flashing a lot since he's gotten back from that injury. And, you know, Max Crosby is Max Crosby. And so I think the top two will be everything, you know, that has been advertised. And some people, a small group of people have kind of been a little bit like, you know, Chandler Jones had that big week one performance last year where we had five sacks. And then after that kind of had so-so production the rest of the year. But I wouldn't be too worried about that. He, he still looks like, you know, one of the top-tier pass rushers in the league. Yeah, I think Coons definitely stepped up and made some plays the last couple of games. I think it was, you know, definitely an opening after the injuries. I think the staff had some concerns if he was strong enough. But, um, yeah, to me, you make plays in the game as a starting point. So you show you can make plays going forward. So I think he's probably in the mix. Probably is their, their number three pass rusher at this point. As far as Klee, 
I don't know how bad the injury is, but maybe these injuries give him a chance to, to, to get on the roster. I didn't think he was going to make the roster, I'll be honest, even before the injury. So we'll see if he doesn't have a chance now if he comes back. But I don't I don't see him being a big part of the plans, but I mean, you never know. I mean, obviously he's not, not a bad player. Maybe he can help fill, fill in both inside and outside. Yeah, I just don't feel good enough about like any of their other defensive ends where I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to eat this $10 million real quick just to not have him on the, on the team. You know, especially since he can play inside a little right. bit. Right. Um, and that spot also isn't that great. It's like, it'd be different if they, maybe if they had Kyler Factor right. still. Yeah, I think, I think Factor's looking pretty good. Factor's injury's a big deal, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it's just, they don't have a ton of great options. So it's like, unless they're going to go sign somebody or make a trade or something, it's kind of, kind of, eh. I mean, I guess the big thing when you, when you look at, uh, you know, their big move, obviously, at pass rusher was trading away Yannick Gakwe, signing Chandler Jones. And, I mean, I, we all would agree that the ceiling for Chandler Jones is, is higher than Gakwe. But, uh, I mean, Yannick is a guy who is tough, has, has not really missed any time due to injury throughout his career, played all 17 games last year. Um, you know, Joe, Chandler played 15 out of 17 games last season, but... Um, you know, only five games in 2020, missed the whole 2019 season. He's 32. That's really the one fear you have at edge rusher by making that change is that you've gone from a guy who has kind of you know, proven durability in Ngakwe um, to a guy who is a bit older and has a little bit of a recent injury history in Jones. And, you know, if, if suddenly you lose Chandler Jones' injury for half a season, we just talked about, you know, with, with Fackrell gone, we don't love that depth. Uh, so that would be the one concern, I think, at, at edge rusher is that, um, you did go to a higher ceiling edge rusher with Chandler, but um, you know, maybe a little bit more volatile. And he also brought in a guy who helps you instill the whole Patriots way. I mean, he's, he was, you know, Ziggler and McDaniel's guy in New England, and they're trying to get that culture here. And he's one of the handful of guys they have in the locker room is really like it's kind of setting uh, the new standards. So um, you're right. And Gakwe definitely is um, more durable, I guess, at this point in his career. But uh, I think just the leadership and the upside and the, just the overall game, you know, run defense and pass defense you've taken a step up with uh, with jones all right let's talk linebackers the raiders uh, the first pro bowl linebacker in what 30 years or something like that when denzel perriman made the pro bowl last year and um you know he, you know he's gonna be there in the middle of the field for them um they've got to find diablo uh jay and brown you know how do we feel about this uh this linebacker core uh as, as they uh they move into patrick graham's defense it should be good. I think Denzel Perriman was, was great last year. I mean, you always have to wonder, you know, the different system. Obviously, he was the right fit for Gus's system last year, and this is a whole new system. And will, will he and he never had the success he had last year before last year. It was kind of like a career year by a huge, a huge jump. He was kind of, a, you know, a decent player for the first part of his career, not really the, the playmaker and the heat-seeking missile he was last year. So you hope that translates. Uh, I like Divine Diablo's upside a lot. I think he's a big-time athlete. He's, uh, I always forget how big he is. I see him in practice field. I'm like, wow, that guy's he's really big. And just and he moves around so well. And, again, you hope he takes on a new system. So all these guys, on paper, looks good. But you don't really know the, the, the fit and how it's going to you know, translate with the new coach until you actually see it. Not in the preseason games, but in the first game when, when, when everything's real. So I think on paper it looks fine, but uh, I don't really know for sure. They have a pretty strong trio between Perriman, Diablo, and uh, Brown. And, uh, you know, they're going to be in nickel, I won't say most of the time, but a lot of the time anyway. So it's going to be two linebackers on the, on the field. And I would say Perriman is going to be a lot to be a guy that's, that's always on the field. But and Brown and Diablo are kind of 
jockeying for that other nickel linebacker spot. I think they have a little bit more flexibility last year in terms of, you know, Perriman, he's a guy that's not that great in pass coverage. And so sometimes they would have him out there and pass him downs and bad things will happen. But now they can just, you know, maybe just have Diablo and Brown, you know, be on the field if it's third and 18 or something like that. You know, in terms of pass that, I think they'll probably cap it at four linebackers is my gut feeling. And uh, I think Darian Butler, UDFA, you know, he's a guy that might have an outside chance of making the roster. They brought in the guy from uh, the Rams and Broncos, uh, Micah Kaiser, but he got hurt. He's on IR, you know, so it's kind of, you know, a bunch of guys kind of in the mix for that fourth spot. But I think it's more so about that top three and, um, you know, barring injury, you know, that's really all they should need, given that, you know, they're going to be in sub packages a lot of the time anyway. All right, let's move on to the secondary, and and we'll start with cornerback and getting Trayvon Mullen back on the field. That's a nice first step. Um, you know, Rock gets in back. Mullen's kind of kind of in this weird spot, right, where you know he's been, you know, he got hurt last year, and, and then ends up having the surgery in the off season, and so he's he's been you know really sidelined for a long time now, and we've seen enough out of Trayvon Mullen over you know the start of his career to know that he's a solid cornerback. But we still don't quite know who he is, right? I mean, you know, losing so much of the time last year and then losing all this offseason, you know, I think he's a guy that getting him back on the field for the last half of training camp here and kind of seeing what he can do, you know, I think he has probably a lot of questions to answer about who exactly he is and, you know, can he you know, earn that other starting cornerback job uh, alongside Rocky Sin? You know, and we know Nate Hobbs, such a good rookie year at, at Nickelback, and they have been using him at outside cornerback. Um, you would presume getting Mullen and Inyasin back that that, you know, slots Hobbs back in that Nichols back spot, but they've got Anthony Everett. Uh, you know, it is an interesting group that if, if they're all healthy, you know, you feel like they've got four pretty good corners, but you know, we've got to see, you know, Mullen be able to get out there, be healthy and, and kind of prove what, what exactly he is. I think. Yeah. I think Trayvon was a big question mark for the last regime, the ones who actually drafted him and loved him coming out of college and they didn't really know what they had in him. So I imagine the new regime has no idea because you mentioned there's some good film, also some bad film. There's also a history of injuries and not a guy who I would call a playmaker at this point in his career, a guy who, you know, attacks the ball as well as you would like. Um, but he's close enough in coverage where there's definitely some potential. So I really don't know what the new staff thinks of him. I think they've got some guys in who they obviously like. You know, Yassin and Averett are guys who I think they peg as playing a lot. And obviously, um, so we'll see how long it takes him to get back to being fully healthy. I'm not sure you know, where he's at in that process, but uh, he's got 25 days. So I am very curious to see what his role will be. I really don't know at this point. Yeah, I think the other thing is, I'll say quick on Everett. He's been out since, I think he, his first day out was the same day that Yassin had been out for uh, July 31st. And so he's been out for a while. And so, you know, obviously he's not like on IR or the pup list or anything right now. But, you know, he may have some kind of, kind of injury lingering there. Um, and so we'll see on his, his status moving forward. But, yeah, that'd be the group whenever he gets back. But uh, that's just a note moving forward. Some whispers that the Raiders are going to play a lot more man coverage this year. You know, Patrick Graham's in the last couple of years with the Giants, I think he had to play a lot more zone because he didn't have the corners he wanted to play more man like they did in New England and uh, with Miami. And, you know, they, they got Rocky Sin, who's a, a man corner. They got Averett, who's a man corner from, from Baltimore. So I think Trayvon Mullen is a guy who is – you know, he's good, decent at playing a bunch of different coverages. So, you know, it is questionable to whether he can play a high volume of man coverage. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why the staff probably likes Amik Robertson is he was really good at 
a bump run man when he was in college uh, as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot more man coverage uh, from this group than we did we saw last year. I like the idea of moving Hobbs around. I think Hobbs definitely shown he can be that playmaker type and the guy you can use as a weapon wherever he lines up. So I do like the idea they're going to move him around, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing just how that, how that looks. Yeah, if you look at the depth pieces kind of beyond those four, I mean, Darius Phillips, who we've been seeing back there uh, returning punts, um, you know, in the preseason looks solid there. You know, figure he'd be a depth piece. And, and as Ted mentioned, uh, Meek Robertson, we talk about draft picks by the previous regime that are still kind of a question mark. That That's another one where, you know, he's he's done this in the past where he's been promising during training camp and, uh, you know, it hasn't necessarily translated into the season. So, uh you know, we'll see. I mean, if he can, you know, if he can carve out a role, and suddenly you've got you've got him as as a contributor, even if it's just a depth contributor, special teams, that kind of thing, um, that would that would be a win for you. But uh, you know, he, he still obviously has a lot of question marks. I think Patrick Graham. He's been a guy that has used nickel and, and dime pretty often. You know, a lot of times with dime, we think about bringing in a third safety, but that could also just be bringing in a, a fourth corner, and so. It'll be more useful for them maybe than other teams, even if everybody is healthy, you know, having four or five guys they could turn to and be confident lining up outside um, in any given game. All right, let's talk safeties now. And, uh, you know, Trayvon Merrick, uh, we kind of know where he's at. He's, he's going to be there for them. And then, you know, in terms of the, the strong safety position, Jonathan Abram, can he hold off to Ron Harmon? Harmon's got the experience in that uh you know, in that Patriots defense, I know, Vic, you've talked about it last week that uh, you kind of expect Harmon to eventually kind of slide in and, and get more playing time. Uh, but, I mean, those three guys will all play. And then, you know, do they keep a fourth safety? If so, that is that probably Roger Keemer or Vic's guy, Matthias Farley? I, I don't know. He, he's going to give us a, a full uh, breakdown of, of Farley here in a little bit. But uh, it's been expressed for a long time how we how everybody feels really about the safety position, where you feel pretty good about Merrick. But... um you just don't really know if Jonathan Abram can take that next step and, and be able to do anything in coverage to stay on the field. Abram definitely has strengths, definitely has that, uh, that motor and that aggressiveness. And definitely, you see him uh, flying all over the field. So I'm kind of curious, again, on Patrick Graham, uh, he must have a plan. He must have an ideal scenario where you can use Abram and he's effective. I'm sure it's not in coverage all the time. I'm sure it's maybe as a, you know, I don't know if it's a nickel linebacker or what it can be, but uh, I definitely, you know, as a coach coming in, you know, obviously you want certain players, you inherit certain players, and it's all about making the best use of these guys. So for me, it'd be a great test to see Patrick Graham, just how good a coach he is, if he can make Abram you know, definitely a, a key part of this defense, or not even a key part, a guy who makes plays every now and then and, and has a value, then I'll be very impressed. There's some things you could do with him. Like if, if you're playing a lot of man and you're you're blitzing, then, you know, I think he could be a good blitzer, or if you're using simulated pressures where – you know, you uh, you end up dropping a guy, but you're rushing four with the uh, you know different type of player like a linebacker safety. You could have him kind of play those underneath zones like he played well last year. There are some creative ways Graham could get a get around Abram's shortcomings. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing with Abram if he ends up being a starter. Yeah, and to his credit, I mean, he's pretty much taken, like, the vast majority. I would say, like, 90% of the starting snaps at safety. So, like, I think Ron Harmon is going to be more of, like, he'll, I think he'll rotate in for him, but I don't think he'll be, like, starting the game off next to Morag at, at safety. It seems like they're going to, unless things just go terribly for, for Abram to start the season, of course. But um, it seems like it's, it's pretty much going to be that duo of Merrig and, and, and uh, Abram and, and Harmon kind of working in, in dime packages and, situations where Abram struggles a little bit more. And so that seems like the pretty clear top three. I mean, the four, I think they'll carry four safeties just for depth purposes. Um, 
You know, they traded away Tyree um, Gillespie yesterday to the Titans for a conditional, a future seventh round pick, conditional pick. So it seems like it's either going to be uh, Roger Teamer maybe or uh, or Vic's guy, uh, Matthias. So, you know, not that we're going to see the fourth safety a lot as much as it'll be like a special teams player. Um, so it's really about those, that top three that they have, which, you know, outside of Merrick isn't the strongest group in the world, but I think it's one that could be, you know, maybe serviceable for them going into the season. Breakdown Farley for his Vic. You got a seven-year veteran, 30 years old, three career interceptions. Uh, last interception, 2018. Uh, you know, started 15 games for the Colts in, in 2017. Uh, what, what, what do you like here? Yeah, you just broke him down. He, was, he did all my work for me. I just, you know, he made plays in the first game. I think he's a veteran guy. Uh, McDaniels talked about his toughness that he brings. Uh, he's a smart guy. He can move around a little bit. So just he's a guy that I think coaches like. He's a guy that under the radar – we see his name. Who the hell is that guy? But he, he was here. He's here for a reason. Uh, I don't know where his algebra making the roster, but um, he's, I think he's shown a little bit. And I think you know, at that point, you come in like McDaniel's knows what he can do before he steps on the field. I mean, he's pretty much this is the bar. I know what he can do. Can this guy give me more than he does? Is kind of the question mark for other guys. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a fifty-three, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's not. I just think he's a guy on the bubble, and I like the way he plays the game. I just watched him, and I, I like the way he attacks. And 83 career games played, so, I mean, he's got the experience. A uh, good special teams player. He had 11 special teams tackles last season, so he uh, brings some experience to them. All right, uh, you know, we are not going to do a podcast where we do a full breakdown of the special teams because a, a full breakdown of the special teams takes about 30 seconds. Uh, Daniel Carlson, A.J. Cole, Trent Sig, yeah, that, 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 that's a good trio, uh, a good special teams battery. You know, we'll see what they do with the returner. Um, you know, we've talked about it. You know, we, we kind of would assume that, that Hunter Renfro uh, doesn't really get involved too much in punt returns anymore. I mean, maybe it's one of those situations where you throw him out there when, um, you know, in some key situations. But, uh, you know, Darius Phillips looked pretty good back there as a, as a punt returner. You know, DJ Turner had a nice punt return. Um, we could talk a little bit about his chances of making the roster, especially with uh, Demarcus Robinson being among the first cuts as the Raiders trimmed from uh, from 90 down to 85. Uh you know, Turner did play well against the Vikings, um, you know, both as a receiver and in the punt return game. So maybe, you know, maybe he's got a got a little shot here at, at you know, coming in being a fifth or sixth receiver, depending on how many they keep. And um, if so, maybe he's a guy that could help them out on special teams. Yeah, he had a nice uh, punt return against the Vikings. I think it was 23 yards. Um, looked pretty good there. I mean, he's a on offense, he'd be a backup slight, slot type guy behind Hunter Renfro. Darius Phillips is another guy we've seen taking some punt returns, um, but I think the numbers may a little bit more be more tricky at cornerback. Like I'm not sure he would give them the same lift on defense as DJ Turner may give them on offense. So that may be the, the difference there more so than their returning skills. Um, kickoff returns, it seems like it's mostly been either Lamir Abdullah or Zamir White. We've also seen other guys like Tyron Johnson working in there, so that seems less settled than, than punt returner, I would say. You know, kick returns are kind of the value of them has dropped with the new rules and everything anyway. But uh, it seems like a rotation of guys working back there as, as returners. Um, and uh, obviously Hunter Renfro was, was pretty good, you know, as a punt returner last year. He, he was up there statistically, but you don't really want to risk your uh, a receiver as good as him on that if you don't have to. So they're definitely working through identifying some other guys, even though Renfro has been out there, you know, fielding punts in practice. Yeah, I'm not sure about DJ Turner. I think to me he's a perfect uh, practice squad player. I know that sounds terrible. I'm not trying to limit his upward you know, chances, but to me he's a guy who you know can make plays different places. He can he add some speed to the game. Is it big enough to be a factor in the passing game? I'm not sure. Do you need a backup slot? I'm not sure. I just think he's a guy who was in the practice squad last year. 
looked good in the game the other day, but to me, you have other guys in that room. I don't know sure how many receivers you need, and you got Matt Collins is the three. You got Keelan Cole, veteran, good right runner, is the four. I think Tyron Johnson's the five because of his speed, and he has that potential to make plays for you down the field. So, do you need six? I don't. I don't really think you do, but uh, I don't know. But I, I, he's definitely in the mix. I think he, all you can do is play hard and make plays. He's done that, but. I just don't know what his, his chances are beating out the other two guys I mentioned. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, obviously, all you can do is make plays, and, and hopefully they speak for themselves. I do want to add, back to the kickers, back to the kicking trio, I agree we can't really analyze their, their games. They're all great players, and they got they all got money, they all got paid off. But I think we should each pick one that we would take in a street fight, in a street fight, because I think they would they appreciate that. Like, who is your pick of those three guys of Carlson, Cole, and Sig in a street fight, and, and why? I'm going with Sieg. He's the only one whose job requires him to make tackles. So I'm taking him in a street fight because he's he's a snapper. He's got to he's got to mix it up on the line. He's got to snap it, go down there, try to make some tackles. You know, the other guys are tough, but I, I'm going with the guy whose job requires him to make tackles. Yeah, I'm going with Sieg, Sieg too. I mean, you know, he's, you got to go with the guy that actually has to you know get touched most of the time, and then. Carlson and Cole are kind of lanky. You know, he has a low center of gravity. So if he gets under, if we're like UFC fighting rules, like can he can he take them down and then it's over with ground and pound him? Or do they got to stand up the whole time? He's, and I need some clarification on Cole's a dark horse. He can high kick somebody in the head and just get, get an instant knockout. Oh. So for me, I think I go, Cole's a good, uh, he's a good hype man. I like him talking about the fight, but I don't want to actually want to see him fight. To me, it's got the Carlson. He has the length, gets a little jab going, has the kick, keep guys away from him, keep a distance. And I think you can finish the fight without even getting dirty. So I like Carlson in a street fight. Brian, you've got to cut this clip out. This has got to be sent. Uh, it's got to be posted just so just so the three of them can all see it. Brian, who you got? He says Seabass. Oh, Sebastian yeah. Janikowski. Like, on retirement, like from the front row of the, of the, of the ring? I, I went to the street fight. I guess he's not in the front row. I guess he's in the alley. Kind of working <laughs> in the alley. I like that one. All right, Seabass. Good. He wasn't one of the the multiple choice options, but uh, you can go off the board. Yeah. He's a writer. It's, it's a street writing, fight. Anything goes in a street fight. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's I good. mean, anybody can enter a street fight. I mean, Vic Vic might come rolling in and try to try to join it. Next week, we'll debate who wins a street fight between the four of us, but uh, we'll save that for next week. All right, uh, before we get out of here, anything we're looking forward to uh, Saturday against the Dolphins, uh, Raiders heading to Miami? I mean, we know how they're treating these preseason games. We're not really going to see uh, the front line guys. I mean, I think the the Josh Jacobs thing, and um, you know, we, we saw that in the first game. I, mean, I would imagine they, they still try to get you know some of these offensive linemen uh, time because we that's that's really the the big thing that, that they've got to figure out about this team. Yeah, be one game closer to the regular season. Now, uh, I think right tackle spot is probably um, the main thing to watch. You know, especially if. And then we'll see tomorrow, like if Mumford is back out there. But if he isn't, and you know Parker is still out, and Leatherwood, you know, starts the game at right tackle, they have to give you know a pretty good. I don't know how many starters the Dolphins will be playing necessarily, but um, be kind of a good trial run from him, and it'd be he start the first game, Mumford come back, and then see him again, see if he's made any growth from that Jaguars performance and, and just practices in general. So I think that, that has to be the biggest thing for me. I, I think everything else. It's pretty settled in terms of the depth chart of the team. Like there aren't too many major questions. Even along the offensive line, the interior line seems pretty set. I know Dylan Palms pushing guys at guard and center, but it seems like he's going to be more of that swing interior guy, more so than a starter guy, at least right away to start the season. So it's really that right tackle spot. Yeah, I think we kind of know the eight guy, eight or nine guys that are going to be on the roster, right, at on the offensive line. It's just about kind of settling the exact spots. 
Yeah, I just want to see Mumford against an an actual starter. I, you know, like I said, he played a really clean game, but he played it on rookie mode. You know, I want to see him play a starter, crank it up to you know all pro mode and maybe all Madden mode by the end of the preseason. But you know, that's uh, I just want to see him against an, an actual starting uh, pass rusher. All Madden mode will be when the Patriots come to town for uh, the joint practices. Got some fights, man. If, Patriots, if he's Patriots got some fights last couple days with the Panthers. That kind of be a Fun to watch, but uh, I agree with those guys. The other lines, obviously, the big thing. I think um, you know those guys. The Parham's played all three spots, so he does. Um, I think the other matchups I like are like when Tyron Johnson. He can, I think he can ice up the roster spot with a, a deep catch, like a big, a big play on the field, 45, 50 yards. I think that pretty much will solidify his uh, his role on this team. I think the uh, Kenyon Drake Amir Abdullah battle. I don't know if Abdullah's going to play. He didn't play last time, but uh, to me, it's pretty clear they want to trade Kenyon Drake, so just need to play a lot to. Look fresh and, and back from his injury for other teams to have an interest. I'm not sure that I mean what teams need a, another running back, but it's tough for veteran running backs these days. But uh, obviously he's a still a good player, so I think uh, finding him a role, if not here then somewhere else, will be a big part of the rest of the preseason. Yeah, it is a little suspicious how much he's playing in the preseason, more so than the Jacobs thing, and it's pretty crowded backfield. Like obviously they aren't keeping eight running backs, so they they're going to have some make make some tough cuts somewhere but you know ideally if you can trade a guy and get something back is better than just just letting him loose and eating some dead money i mean obviously we know that drake is you know would be a, a big dead money kit but if he gets traded um you know whoever trades for him is not gonna take that huge salary because uh that's so much of it was signing bonus and all that His base salary is only two and a half million so um i would still I, I don't know that a lot of teams are gonna want to pay two and a half million to a guy who's maybe a you know a, a reserve running back but John Gruden was out there and wanted to give him $11 million over two years to be a backup running back. So maybe there's somebody else out there who's willing to do it. But All right, guys. That'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. Uh, see how the Raiders do on Saturday against the Dolphins. And uh, then we'll talk to you again next week as uh, the Raiders are hosting the Patriots. A couple joint practices. They'll play a preseason game. Those joint practices will be fun. Those will be, you know, when you can really kind of learn a lot more about the team, you know, Teams tend to get after it more in the practices than they do in the games uh, because they can kind of script the situations a little bit more. So those will be fun. Uh, Vic, Deshaun will be out there checking it out, and uh, they'll let us know how they're looking. It seemed like last year the ones against the Rams were kind of a nice takeoff point for the team. They kind of bonded. There were some fights, and I think some guys got some roles. You could see where they'd fit in. So it's always good. I think the coaches nowadays more and more look at those as a real indicators more than these these games. I think those are the tr- – you can control the environments, you can control what you want to do, matchups, you know, plays, you know, different things you want to really focus on. So I think it, to me it's – that's the real preseason is, is these now, is these joint practices. I think almost every team now is doing them. I mean, you know, the Cowboys did one with the Broncos last week. They're doing two with the Chargers this week. I mean, I mean, it, it seems like every team, you know, the Patriots obviously were doing it with the Panthers this week and then are coming and, you know, doing it with the Raiders next week. I mean, you're seeing, it used to be like, oh, maybe every couple of seasons a team would do a joint practice. I mean, now we're seeing teams that are doing two sets of joint practices, you know, in the same preseason. It's it's pretty much every team I think out there is, is doing some, uh, doing this to some degree. Um, and, and they're fun. I mean, the, the intensity cranks up. I mean, for us, when we're out there at training camp, you know, and it can start getting monotonous around this time of the month. And then another team comes in and just it, it cranks up the intensity and it's a lot more fun to watch practice. Yeah, the Patriots are one of those teams doing too because they're fighting with the Panthers every day this week, right? So I'm sure it'll be, be amped up for next week going against uh, their old OC. Yeah, I think teams are like replacing that fourth preseason game with 
you know, joint practice. I think they feel like they get a lot out of it too. You know, being able to control the situation, you know, get some good one-on-one matchups with starters against starters and that whole deal. They're setting it all up for when uh, the season goes to 18 games and they shave it down to two preseason and uh, and they really have to do the joint practices to get in any real work. Because we know that's coming. 17, that was uh, that was a placeholder. We will be at 18 soon enough. Um, all right, guys. Good show. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, y'all. Later, guys. Peace. Welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. We got everything you want, honey. We know the names. We are the people that can find whatever you may need. If you got the money, honey, we got your disease. In the jungle. Welcome to the jungle.